Welcome to Sailing Through Life, a journey to health, happiness, and living your dreams. My name is Lori, and I'm your host. My guest today is author Stephen Crane. In his memoir of gratitude, I can appreciate that, he has written a collection of essays that originated from his teenage son's challenge to examine why his response to so many situations was negative. Join me as we set sail on this adventure to discover ways to take care of yourself, find the positive in life, and continue to dream even when going through some of your darkest days. Listen to my inspiring guests as they share their stories and give hope to help you on your journey. From questioning faith after losing loved ones to cancer or his own significant health challenges to the more everyday challenges of career, parenting, relationships, Stephen realized it was time to take a hard look at his life. What he found was that process of marinating his brain and writing his memoir of gratitude was life-changing. It reveals many powerful truths that are widely relevant no matter what your specific challenges are in life currently or have been in the past. His journey led him to living more mindfully in a spirit of true appreciation. Or I actually refer to the year that I spent doing that as a solid year of marinating my brain in gratitude. We are basically the process of our thoughts. We're the sum total of our thoughts. What we say to ourselves, what we think, becomes how we feel, becomes how we act in a lot of ways, becomes who we are. And so if you spend all of your time thinking about how, oh my gosh, I don't appreciate that, that that makes you the cynical, pessimistic, negative person who tends to look and see the problem instead of the solution. Today's episode is Changing Your Latitude. We will be talking to Stephen about how gratitude opened his eyes to the world that was always there, why it's important to focus on your blessings, and how his life changed with the power of his thoughts. Please welcome Stephen. Hello, and thank you for joining me today, Stephen. Hey, Lori. Thanks for having me. So I selected the title of this show, uh, Changing Your Latitude, because of the scope of what you've been talking about. And my whole show ba- is based on nautical metaphors. The changing your latitude, it did make sense that you're elevating, you're doing something in relation to where you're at now. So I just wanted to start off with kind of summarizing what I understood your story to be, and then we can elaborate on that. As far as where you're coming from, your story in this book you're dealing with for a whole year, and I'm talking the crazy, challenging year that everybody had going through the pandemic and figuring out a new normal. In the middle of all that, you put together a plan to better your life. And when you looked at what you were dealing with in your world, your circumstances, and where you were at, you flipped that 180 degrees. What was the motivation to do this reevaluation of your life? Right. So the actual motivation came from my beautiful, wonderful teenage son. Um, (laughs) I have two sons and I was having a conversation with uh, my oldest, who was uh, 15 at the time. This is right at the tail end of 2019, uh, right before we were getting ready to go into a lockdown and nobody knew what 2020 was going to be yet. He and I were having a conversation and I'm not even sure what we were talking about, but he said something to me and I said something back to him. And his response to me was, dang, dad, why do you always have to be so negative? And 
a lot of times your kids, especially teenagers, they'll say things to you and you can just sort of dismiss it or, you know, you can just say, well, because I'm your father or, you know, whatever. Right. But in that moment, when he said that to me, it, it really sort of stopped me cold and I didn't have an answer for him. <clears throat> and he wasn't wrong was the worst part of that. And so that sort of very much was the impetus for me to start thinking about it. And then little did we know about four weeks later, the whole world goes into shutdown. And as you alluded to, the whole world changes and everybody's trying to figure out the new normal. For me as an advertising writer, when that happened, a lot of my time got freed up with projects that sort of disappeared as people were trying to evaluate. So I had this compelling question asked of me by my son and a lot of free time. And so this is not really, I, I, this is the second book that I've written. The first book that I wrote was was very different and it was something that I wanted to write, but I had no need to write. It was very sort of, you know, self-focused. And so this book, I can appreciate that. I describe as a book that I didn't want to write, but I had to write because when he asked me that question, I, I owed him an answer and I owed myself the answer to that question. Mm -hmm. So the book is essentially me spending all of 2020 looking at that question, thinking about events from my life, which I originally viewed as negative. And there are a number of those. There are a number of significant events that sort of form what I guess you would call my cynical or pessimistic nature. And reevaluating those incidents. And when you look at stuff that happens to you with a little bit of hindsight, whether it's, you know, a day, a week, or in some instances, 20 years, a lot of times, usually most of the time you find there are actually these beautiful blessings hiding in all of those challenges. And so the process of going through all that stuff and understanding what happened to me, what it meant, and what has sort of come from the ashes of all those challenges was this beautiful gift that I was given. And so the process of writing it um, was very cathartic and therapeutic. And it turns out to be this memoir of my life that can now hopefully help other people um, go through the same exercise in their own life. Yeah. And that's the the purpose of what we're trying to do is, is really try to bring light to when people are having trouble, what what do they what tool do they need to help them get through that? And I think the more things that they have to choose from, the more they can pull from different resources, the better chance they have of finding that thing that works best for them. Absolutely. So did you ever really discover the true nature of the negativity? Well, so I I always sort of knew intuitively what those things were. And it's, it's sort of a combination of rolling events throughout my life. So, uh, I, and it starts from day one, right? So I was born with spina bifida, which uh, for anyone in your audience who is unfamiliar, <clears throat> is a birth defect where when you're born, the base of your spine is actually exposed outside of your body. And so on day one of your life, you have a surgery for them to correct that. And the inevitable result of that is some degree of nerve damage and okay. uh, paralysis, et cetera. So from the very beginning, I was in hospitals and going through surgeries and right. you know, having all of those sort of challenges and was never the normal kid, right? You fast forward through school and you know 
you meet other kids who are not that sophisticated and sometimes not that kind and right, that right. becomes a very challenging situation and you grow up with those same kids until you're 18 and you sort of become the weird kid or the you know the freak or you know whatever it is right. and so that becomes your identity to a certain degree so there's always sort of some degree of frustration and uh, negativity you know as it relates to to those experiences never really having the quote-unquote normal childhood and why did this have to happen to me and man i wish my life would be different and you know all that stuff mm -hmm. right and that's you, you know you don't you don't know what you don't know until you have more experiences and you fast forward now i'm 50 and have a beautiful wife and two awesome healthy sons who uh thank god do not have any of those challenges or any other physical challenges and so you come to understand that while you did have that degree of challenge i was actually very fortunate most people who have spina bifida um a lot of people who have them who have that end up in wheelchairs and can't have children and have a very different life so i have a i have a relatively normal quote unquote normal life uh, all things considered and it, it takes a little bit of living to figure out that that's actually a blessing instead of a challenge and that there are things you can do with that to help other people and did you do you think that how that occurred in your life led you to be in the career you ended up in did that facilitate anything there um well, not necessarily. I, I, I don't, I don't guess I know the answer to that question. Yes or no. Um, I guess all of our experiences influence all of our choices. Right. <clears throat> so, but, um, as it relates to my career, actually one amazing blessing there is I'm, I'm one of those weird people that knew sort of exactly what I wanted to do from the time okay. that I was 11 or 12 years old. And I, and I don't even know why, but you know, instinctively at that age, I was like, Oh wow. Advertising seems like that would be cool. I want to be a writer. I didn't know. And I just happened to be better with words than I was with numbers, whatever. And my parents actually um, gave my sister and I this amazing gift of um, having us aptitude tested, aptitude tested, which is where you go to a company and all this is online now for free, right? But this is mm -hmm. back in like the 1980s, you know, before the internet even existed. And so you go to a company and they run you through like this pretty severe battery of tests takes all day. And at the end of that, they, uh, so they run you through all these tests and sort of test how you think, how you solve problems, um, musicality, critical thinking, reading, math, whatever, puzzles, all this stuff. And so at the end of that, they map that to careers that based on your strengths, you would be really good at. And then they also give you a list of things you should never try to do because you won't be very good at them. <laughs> and that's actually pretty fun. But uh, on that list, they told me that, <clears throat> that I needed to do something that was deadline oriented, that changed often because I get bored if I do the same thing over and over again, that has a high degree of creativity and allows me to work with other people to solve problems. Pretty high on that list of careers was advertising and marketing. So. Yeah. I was already predisposed to like that. And then my parents gave me this, this gift of like a group of 
social scientists who run me through these tests who go, yep, you'd actually be pretty good at that. So wow. as an 18 year old going to college with the confidence that this is something that I like and something that these tests tell me that I'm actually going to be pretty good at, it gives you a, a confidence to pursue that in a way that a lot of people don't have. A lot of people go right. to college and really aren't even sure why they're there. Right. right. So um, coincidentally, my son who asked me the question that that birthed this book in the first place, we just gave him that same gift uh, as oh, he's wow. a junior in high school this year to help him make decisions in the same sort of, you know, um, informed way, which is the literal appreciation of that gift that my parents gave me is sure. passing that down to another generation and helping somebody else in the same way. Yeah, I would, I would agree with you that, you know, you're geared a certain way in the get go. And I think that even though the events in your life do shape and pull you in different directions, there's a core part of you that just is the way it is. And it's interesting just to, to find out how other people have kind of worked through their lives and how they ended up where they are. So I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, absolutely. It, it takes all kinds. There are <laughs> some of us should not be surgeons or airline pilots or <laughs> you know, yeah. nuclear chemists or what have you. Well, and you referenced the gift that your parents gave you through your life. You've had challenges, but then now you're referencing the gifts. And it's interesting how life does that ebb and flow where it, you know, you get something to move you forward and then something brings you back. And I know you've talked about a master plan or like I refer to a divine intervention um, that gets you to where you're supposed to be. How how did that all play out? I know you've talked about your, your family history and how important all these little pieces were to get to now. Yeah. So um, th again, there's a lot to unpack there. Um, but as it relates to uh, my family history, it was uh, this book project actually gave me another gift, which was an opportunity to go back and look at my family history. And I knew some of it, but I actually got a chance to sit down with both of my parents, talk to them about some of the stuff that, that I needed help filling in some holes to tell some of the stories, and then wanted to go back a couple of generations and sort of get some backstory on how we all got here, right? Mm -hmm. And when you're talking about a master plan, as I'm talking with my parents, the story that I end up with is that my great-grandfather on my dad's side, um, he was uh, born in Italy. And as a young man, he was actually part of the Carbonieri, which is the Italian presidential police. So they sort of are in the direct service of the Italian president. And in that job, as a very young soldier, um, he was involved in an incident that resulted in the death of two mafioso. So at that point, you have two choices, right? You either run <laughs> or you don't live very long. And so he, as a very young man, but who still had a wife and two kids, he left and went by himself to America to survive and spent a couple of years saving up enough money to be able to bring over his wife and two kids and then my grandfather becomes the first of their children to be born in America. 
So already there's like a bunch of like little things that have to happen for my grandfather to mm-hmm. even have been born. My grandfather grows up and in his late teens, early 20s, enlists in the Air Force as we are in World War II. And he wanted to be a pilot, but that didn't quite work out. So he ended up being like a flight navigator and tail gunner on B-17s in wow. World War II, flying bombing raids over Germany and France, etc. And so like the average survival rate of a B-17 crew is like 15 or 16 missions. He was one of the rare people that that flew all 36, at which oh point gosh. they discharge you, right? So again, all of those things have to happen for him to survive. He then comes back to America and on a double blind date meets my grandmother. And then they have my father <laughs> who is uh who grows up and is quite an accomplished baseball player and is uh gets a scholarship to play baseball uh and is on a track to actually become a professional baseball player he actually draws the attention of several major league clubs and um, is is very close to um becoming a major league baseball player and this is in the early um in the earlier years where they don't have all the same protective equipment that they have now. Right. He was pitching in practice one day to one of his college teammates and his teammate hit the ball right back at him, hit him in his pitching hand and broke several bones in his hand. Mm. Never pitched again. Oh, wow. So he goes and starts selling cookware in the mall and at random meets my mom. (laughs) So, go all the way back to the beginning and you have all these little things that are, some of them are like matters of like inches or seconds or whatever. And if all of those things don't line up in exactly the way that they line up, I don't even exist. I'm not talking to you today. Right. Right. This book never exists and my children don't exist. So when you say master plan or divine intervention, one of two things is true. Either all of that is part of some giant master plan or all of it is just completely random and nothing matters, right? And so it's much more comforting and gratifying to think of that as some master plan that brings all of those challenges, but also miracles into your world and makes you part of that master plan. And if all of those miracles happen, what are the other miracles that are waiting in the future for us to be part of? Right. And I think when you go back and you you relive all those parts that that played into it, that's where you can start feeling the gratitude for the different things that happen in your life. And and when you start shifting that mindset, when you can start looking toward the things that are possible and are positive, it really does shift your focus and that's kind of what this book ended up being about is how you took what was in front of you that was always there and and switched out your lenses and really got a different view of what was in your world and 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 what to be grateful for and what to appreciate. Absolutely. Um, I actually uh, that you alluded to all this happening in 2020 and I actually allude or I actually refer to the year that I spent doing that as a solid year of marinating my brain in gratitude, right? So we are basically the process of our thoughts. We're the sum total of our thoughts, what we say to ourselves, what we think, 
becomes how we feel, becomes how we act in a lot of ways, becomes mm -hmm. who we are. And so if you spend all of your time thinking about how, oh my gosh, I don't appreciate that. I, I really wish that wasn't this way. I really wish that, you know, something else had happened or that I was born a different way or that I could have gotten a win here when I didn't. That that makes you the cynical, pessimistic, negative person who is glass half empty, who tends to look and see the problem instead of the solution first, mm -hmm. right? Conversely, if you spend hours a day <laughs> thinking about researching, writing about, talking to people about gratitude and appreciation, and you're doing that hours a day, months on end for a year, it literally changes your brain. You are marinating your brain in these positive thoughts, these happy thoughts, these gracious thoughts um, that celebrate relationships and struggles and sacrifice and successes. And it, yes, it, it absolutely changes your, I don't know if it changes your brain chemistry, but it certainly changes how you start to process thoughts. And it's funny because I don't think that if you asked my now 16 year old son who started this whole process, if I was a less negative person, he would probably say, no, not really. You know, you're, you're still, you're still my dad. Yeah. You're still that same guy. Um, and he might not be wrong about that, but I am certainly more thoughtful and slower to, um, find the, the problems and faster to find the solutions and certainly more attentive to and focused on the, the good stuff, the, the gratitude and the appreciation. Yeah. You referenced, um, I don't know where I caught it, but there were four steps to learning to appreciate the things in your life. Yes. So, um, how would you define the word appreciate? Um, I think I would say more of an, an understanding of the value of it. Yep. So, um, so I'm, I'm a word person. I spend a lot of time with words. And sure. so I, I instinctively knew what that word meant. Uh, but as I started thinking about this and I decided that, uh, that appreciate was going to be sort of the, the hinge word for a lot of the, the topics that I was going to research and write about, mm -hmm. I went to the dictionary and I looked it up. And I was sort of surprised to find that there are actually four unique definitions of the word appreciate. And they actually create sort of this stair-step ascending effect of increasing importance. And it actually kind of gave me the whole framework for the, the book. So on one level, to appreciate something is to just sort of recognize that it exists, right? I can see that there is a boat in the harbor in front of me. There it is. The second step of that is to actually recognize the worth of it. Like you said, mm -hmm. oh, there's a boat in the harbor and I bet that can be sailed to the other side of the harbor or it can be used for fishing or whatever. Right. So the third level is to be able to be grateful. The third definition of appreciate is to be able to be grateful for something. Oh, that boat, I sure did love spending a day on that boat with my friends, or I really am grateful that I could take that boat from this side to that side and get where I needed to go. All right. And then the last one is sort of that um, monetary uh, definition of appreciate where something raises in value, right? Your mm -hmm. portfolio appreciates, your assets appreciate. So, oh my gosh, that boat creates 
jobs. It creates joy. It creates transportation. It could, I, I can use that tool. I can use my resources to make my life better, to make somebody else's life better. And so you go through all of those definitions and you get this awesome little stair step effect of I see it, I get it, I'm grateful for it, and I can grow what I've been given. And that's sort of the framework through which all of these essays are written, where you start with a challenge or a problem and you see what it is, and then you start to understand what actually happened to you. And then you go, oh, well, because that happened to me, this relationship came into my life or this job came into my life or this problem was solved or, or whatever. I'm really grateful for that. And then you start to understand that, wow, because I had that experience, even though I thought it was negative at the time, I might actually be able to grow what I was given by helping somebody else. I might be able to make sure that if that was a bad situation, that doesn't happen to somebody else, or at least that they're really well equipped to deal with it if it does. Or I might be able to keep them from having it at all or have a better experience. So that's sort of the uh, that's sort of the four-step reality of I can appreciate that. And I love it because it does make it simple to to remember. And when you know something is achievable, when it's something that you can step-by-step step do, I think it it helps people to really apply that and really do it in life. You know, you can you can fully see the value and appreciate what you have. So I really love that analogy of doing the steps. And, and it's cool because some, not every experience that you have is going to bring you through all four of those steps. You know, you might just understand that something exists and you understand it. And then mm -hmm. you disagree with somebody or it doesn't prove useful or it's not exactly the right thing for you. And that's the end of that experience or that relationship or mm -hmm. whatever, you know, so not everything takes you through all four of the steps. But in the instance of the stories that I write about, pretty much all of them do have that arc and sort of culminate with this this lesson where you're able to take that and and actually make it worth more than it was when you started. Nice little gift. Well, I was going to say, in, in the realm of somebody going through a challenge, those four steps could be extremely difficult when you get to especially being grateful for something when you have a health issue or you have a job loss or an issue in a marriage where you're trying to find the silver lining, so to speak. And I think it's just the practice of doing something over and over again that, that helps you, even if it's something small to start, grow that. And, and better yourself to see things in a better light. That's 100% right. So as far as the, the book itself, I know it just recently launched. Uh, was it in April? Yes. And uh, I know you're doing something special with the, the book and the proceeds of the book. And I just I wanted to focus on that for a minute just so that the audience can learn how to not only help themselves, but in that process, help others and kind of bring this full circle. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so yes, the book has been out since uh, early April um, and it is available on amazon.com and pretty much everywhere that you get your eBooks, um, all the different platforms it's available there. Uh, and so from the, from the very beginning, a portion of the proceeds from the book have been going to benefit a 
charity that does research into curing childhood cancer. Um, and that is, um, there's an entire chapter in the book about cancer and it's um, and my relationship with it. Uh, thankfully, I've only had secondhand experiences with cancer, but unfortunately, like probably all of us, you know, cancer's probably touched all of us directly or indirectly. Um, there are a number of people who, um, who I've lost to cancer and a number of people I know who um, are still fighting and some people who are cured. So we've had sort of the whole range of experiences there. Uh, but one of the people that I write about in the book is a young man who, um, his name was Lake Bosman, and he was a contemporary of my youngest son. They played together in the same baseball league. Um, he unfortunately passed away um, at the age of uh, about 11. And mm -hmm. so um, there is a fund which in his name and other children's names continues to do research to cure childhood cancer. So from the very beginning, we've been donating proceeds, uh, a portion of the proceeds from the book to that fund. Uh, it just so happens that September is Ch National Childhood Cancer Awareness Month. And for September, we are going all in and we are donating 100% of the net proceeds of the book uh, to that fund. So again, oh, if anybody's yeah. interested in learning something about appreciation that may help themselves um, through any number of challenging situations or just wants an interesting book to read that actually is appreciating by helping a worthwhile cause, there's an opportunity to support this cause, particularly during September. Uh, and again, people can go on amazon.com and just search, I can appreciate that. Um, you can actually go on Facebook or Instagram and search, I can appreciate that. There are associated accounts for the book there, which will sort of not only give you information about the book, but actually connect you to what we're calling our community of gratitude, right? So there's hundreds of people around the world now who are sort of connected to this, who are sort of enjoying and sharing content related to the book, which is a, a sort of beautiful byproduct of having done it. Yeah, that it, just bringing awareness to something. And it's interesting that as you plant those seeds, how it just keep, keeps growing, it continues to spread out and, and people are able to share that experience and grow it. So that is you know, crucial to what I do and what you're doing is to bring light to something and to really watch it prosper as people grasp onto that and really try to just better their lives. I think that's the biggest thing is, is you don't have to have a crisis in your life to, to better it. It's just becoming more of who you truly are. And when you start getting that that feeling of accomplishment and when you do help somebody, how much more it perpetuates that. So I think that's a really cool way to, to do it is not only benefit, you know, with reading the book, but then having that back end really facilitate more positivity. Absolutely. Um, I've, I have said since I finished it that um, I, I sort of met myself in a new way, you know, through the mm. process of, of writing it. And um, it's hopefully it, 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 my children are 16 and 14. And so they're of an age where they go, Oh, you wrote a book. Cool. And they're not going to read it. Right. But maybe when they're a little bit older, uh, they'll also meet their dad in a different sort of way. Um, sure. but I've had this beautiful gift of having shared some of these stories with so many people now that you have conversations 
And one of the coolest things that happens is almost without exception, people will come and say, wow, um, me too. I, right. I may not have had the exact experience that you had, but this is what happened to me. And it was a little bit different, but the same sort of thing. And I hadn't thought about things that way, or now I see something different that I didn't see before, or that really helped me. And that is, that is gratifying beyond measure to, uh, you know, to, to a, to have the gift for myself of, of even getting some of these new understandings and changing my own mindset. And then maybe to be able to leave a gift for my children and to be able to influence anybody else. You know, if you can help anybody else's life, what a gift that is. Right. And you had to go through the things you went through to, to bring that to fruition. So it's it, all those, like we were saying, all those parts of your life that all factored in to get you to now. And now here's the blessing out of all those challenges. Right. And well, and the other thing that I came to understand was that when I started, I, I was under the impression, and this is probably part of what you know, made me negative, angry, whatever. In so many of those instances, I came into them or was still thinking before I started writing, I'm the only person this has ever happened to. I'm the only person who lost my sister to cancer. I'm the only person who was born like this and had these experiences. I'm the only person who whatever. And when you talk to people and you understand that, no, pretty much everybody, right? <laughs> pretty much everybody's had some version of everything that you've had, even if it's not the same thing, or they've had their own unique challenges that you know nothing about that are just mm -hmm. as hard or probably even harder than mm -hmm. your own challenges. You, again, you get this appreciation for context for, you know, for everybody else's situation. And most importantly, how not alone you are, right? So if you enter into that thought thinking, well, nope, it's just me. This is, I'm the only person that this has ever happened to. Poor me. You become very isolated and jaded and cynical. Um, but when you start to understand that it's everybody to some mm -hmm. degree can, can empathize and sympathize and sort of understand everybody else, that's that is life changing and potentially world changing if enough right. people get there. Yeah, and I think there is a movement to people being the their true selves and being vulnerable and sharing their experiences and really having that reaching out to others effect because you're right. Nobody wants to be alone in this. You always think you are. And in, when you when you get into contact with somebody who has something similar, it it gives you a whole different perspective on where you're at and maybe things aren't as bad as you thought and you are finding ways to get through it. So hence why you're writing the book and why I have the podcast, we're, we're sharing our stories and really trying to make that impact. Absolutely. Well, Stephen, this is, this is amazing. Go ahead and give us your Facebook, uh, your Instagram account information, and that way we can put the links in the description as well. Yeah, absolutely. So on Facebook, um, you can just search I can appreciate that or at I C A T story. And uh, on Instagram, it's just I can at I can appreciate that. And on Amazon, it's just I can appreciate that. All right. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to speak with you. And I think it's just a great conversation for anyone to really just 
get in contact with what they're going through and, and how they're really seeing things and evaluate that in their lives. Thanks for your time, Lori. I really appreciate it. I hope you have uh, continue to have smooth sailing. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Stephen spent the year 2020 marinating his brain, as he says, in the spirit of gratitude and appreciation. While the world was on lockdown and going through a pandemic, he discovered something life-changing. He found there were hidden blessings and things that he previously viewed as negatives. He learned it's possible to rewire that negativity and live more mindfully in a spirit of true appreciation. Remember what he said, see it, get it, be grateful for it, and grow what you got. Wow, I can really appreciate that. You can learn more about Stephen Crane on Instagram on I Can Appreciate That and Facebook at iCat Story. His book, I Can Appreciate That, is available on Amazon. And a special note, the month of September is Childhood Cancer Awareness Month. If you purchase his book, I Can Appreciate That, in September, they will donate 100% of the net proceeds from all sales to Cure in memory of Lake Bosman and in honor of those still fighting today. You can find the links in the episode description. If you or someone you care about would like to share their experience or know of an organization to help, even just one person, please message me on Instagram at Sailing Through Life Podcast. How do you sail through life? Join me on this endeavor. I would love to grow this caring support community. If you have any thoughts on today's episode or topics you'd like me to further touch on, please message me through my new website, sailingthroughlifepodcast.wordpress.com and at Sailing Through Life Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. I would also love it if you could support my podcast. This would help me grow the show and continue my passion to reach others with my messages of hope and empowerment. Thanks again. Chat with you next time.